We are in our summer series, You Are Meant for More, a look at 1 Timothy. This morning we are in 1 Timothy 2. And to kick things off, everyone in-house, I hope everyone online, you know everyone in your house. If you don't know someone, that's a concern. Um, Maybe you want to look into that. Um, Everyone in-house, if you didn't shake someone's hand this morning for whatever reason, I'm going to get everyone to stand up if you are able, take a few minutes, shake some hands that you may have missed when you got here this morning, and uh, yeah, go. So we've been going through for the duration of 1 Timothy, and we've been doing this more discussion-based look into the book, so... uh, I have snuck out and handed out all the discussion questions while you were, I didn't embarrass anyone to get them to come up. Um, Seeing as we have a few empty tables, if anyone needs an extra Bible, there are some Bibles at the tables that um, are not being used. We're encouraging us not to use our apps. We're encouraging diving into our physical Bibles and seeing what we can glean out of that. Uh, But we are in 1 Timothy 2, so here are a few thoughts I want to share with you to kind of get your brains moving and discussion going, and then uh, for 10-15 minutes I will just open it up to discussion, you can go through the questions that are on the table, and you get a bonus question this morning that I am not touching. You guys can have fun with that one all you want, and I'll explain more of that when we get there. So 1 Timothy 2. Paul is continuing to address Timothy, and he brings up some major points about how worship should operate and how he as a young man should be identified. He dives in first and foremost into prayer. He says in verse 1, he says, I urge you first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. In verse 2, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority that we can live peaceful, quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. So he says, pray for not just the people you like, not just the people who are part of your church, but pray for everyone. And how are you to pray for these people? In every way. And when he says in all these different ways, he's just saying, as the situation needs. So if you need if, you, if someone needs God to help them, then pray for that for you. If you need God to intervene and step into a situation, then you pray that God would step into the situation. If you're just thankful for who they are, then you thank God for who they are in your life. It's not that you need to pray all these different ways for everyone. It's just pray as the need desires. And then he stops and he says that we need to especially pray for those in authority. And I don't know about you, but those are often the hardest people to pray for, right? It is so hard to pray for our governments. It's so hard to pray for those who have been our elected officials, especially when they're not acting in a way that is um, helpful or uh, encouraging, or you can fill in the blank, um, ways that we agree with. It's really hard. But Paul said, or Paul tells Timothy, you are to be a man of prayer. You are to pray for everyone, especially those in authority. And why? Because we want to live, as, as the church and as Christians, we want to live quiet lives, which is interesting, because there's some that would suggest that as Christians we're to make a ruckus and cu- ruffle some feathers, and Paul says, no, we're supposed to live quiet lives, marked by godliness and dignity. And what is the goal? Well, he says that God's desire is that all would come to, all would be saved and all would come to an understanding of the truth. 
And that is the ultimate goal of our praying. Yes, we want God to heal. Yes, we want God to move. Yes, we want God to lead and guide and bestow his wisdom. But ultimately, we want everyone that we come in contact with, everyone in our community, everyone in our nation, we want everyone to be saved by the sacrifice and the love and the grace that is found in Christ and Christ alone. And so we pray accordingly because this is God's desire. This pops up in Scripture a lot, that God's desire is not that some would be saved. God's desire is that all, everyone, no one excluded, everyone would find hope, life, and faith in Christ and Christ alone. He then moves on to how worship should look. And he starts by picking on the men. And he likes to pick on the men. He says, when you get to times of worship, he said, what I want to see of our men is I want to see holy hands lifted high, praying to God. Here, I'll read it instead of trying to remember. I want men with holy hands lifted to God, free from anger and controversy. So he highlights the good. He said, this is what I want to see in our churches. I want to see men with holy hands. And what do you mean by holy? He means hands that are set apart for the good work of God, not doing the common things, not getting mucked up by sin and the things that so easily entangle. I want men with holy hands lifted high. And what does hands up look like? It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign that, God, I, I give. I surrender to your will, I surrender to your leading, I surrender to your guiding, I surrender to your way. Because if I do it my way, I'm probably going to muck it up. I said muck, in case we're wondering. Um, holy hands, lifted high, and he points out the negative, not identified with anger and controversy. And it's not a coincidence that he goes here right after talking about praying for the government. Because what we find one of two options. If we talk about the government too long, we get really frustrated. I don't know about you, but I, it never ends like, oh, I feel so much better. No, it ends into a complaining fest because we, we, we don't like it sometimes. And when we talk about having a tough time praying for our government, let us remember that Paul is telling Timothy to pray for those in authority at a time when Nero was using Christians as lamps in his garden he's literally sticking them in cages and lighting them on fire nero got a kick out of that so if you want to talk about people who are hard to pray for people who are hard to like uh timothy has an idea what it's like he says instead of us talking about it and complaining and getting angry and just getting frustrated about it we need to pray about it paul's telling our men he said we need to talk less and pray more because talking about it and complaining and whining about it isn't going to change anything. But if we pray about it and really pray about it, we could see some change because God is the only one who changes hearts. He's the only one who changes minds. So if we really want to see change, instead of getting angry, instead of clenching our fists and looking for a fight, he says, I want you to lift up holy hands and pray. Pray about it. This is the posture that Paul expects to find our men. And then he, then he addresses the women. And he says, women, I want you to dress modestly, and I don't want you to draw attention to yourselves by the way that you dress and the jewelry that you wear, but I want you to draw attention to yourself by the good works that you do. And it's amazing how nothing changes. Right? Our society champions that the 
clothing is getting skimpier and skimpier. The jewelry is getting shinier and shinier. And it's and what God is calling the church back then and what God is calling the church now is the completely countercultural. The same way because we champion well, traditionally, we've championed angry men, tough men, men who like to pick a fight. And God comes in and says, no, we don't want that kind of man. We want a man that knows when to stand up, who knows when to fight for truth, who knows when to pick, who, there's a time for it. But more often than not, there's a time to be on our knees praying. In the same way, ladies, do not draw attention to yourself by the physical, but draw attention to yourself by the good things that you do be identified by this and then he moves into and then this the last part of the chapter is really controversial so i'm not going to like touch on it too much but i do want to touch on verse 11 first timothy 2 verse 11 says women should learn quietly and submissively and husbands i don't want to hear an amen everyone stay quiet i'm going to unpack that one a little bit for you First of all, this is a major win for women at that time. We're talking about a Jewish man living in a Roman time where women were just a little bit of a step above slaves. They're just a step above property. They weren't allowed to learn. They weren't allowed to go to school. They weren't allowed to take in this stuff. That was exclusively and only for the men. So Paul is making room in his church for women to learn. That is a victory, and we see all throughout human history that the fight for equal rights for women, church is right there fighting for it, for equality. Because that's the way God had designed it originally, man and woman, not one under the other, equal. And so Paul has continued this refining and redefining what is happening, and he is saying women have just as much right to learn as the men do. And so what is he, so, and it's not like, oh, but yeah, but he says that we have to be quiet and submissive. Well, Paul also just said that we're to live quiet lives as Christians. And when he says quiet, he's saying free from turmoil, free from fighting, free from controversy. And so what he's saying, he's not saying that women need to sit down and shut up. He's saying that you need to stop. Don't stir up turmoil. Don't cause controversy. Don't, don't cause problems unnecessarily. And this is, that quiet isn't just for, it's for everyone. That anyone who's learning, don't stir up unnecessary controversy. He just said it in chapter one. Don't pick fights. Don't get caught up in needless disputes. But live quietly. Learn quietly, peacefully. And it submissively, that's, again, that's his teaching for everybody, all of us, because he's not talking about submission to men. He's talking about submission to church authority. Well, no one has the right to be unsubmissive and usurping the authority of the church. Everyone needs to be quiet and everyone needs to be submissive because God has put the authority where it needs to be to do what it needs to do to encourage and to teach and to build up the church. So it's not just Paul being chauvinistic and beating the women down, he is communicating to the women something he's already communicated to everybody, that you need to be quiet and submissive and honoring of the authority that God has already established. As far as verses 12 to 15, I'm not touching those 
You guys, you know what? You guys can discuss it at your table. I'm, uh, I'm tapping out. You guys can get into that all you want because uh, that is, uh, anyways, you'll read it. You'll find out. You'll have Bibles. you figure out what I, what I mean. Um, so those are the three things that men, well, first of all, Timothy, you should be marked by prayer and don't limit yourself. Pray for everyone and pray in all ways for everyone, especially for those in authority. Men, we are expected to be holy hands lifted high, free of anger and controversy. And women, may your attractiveness, may, your, may what draws people to you not be the clothes that you wear and the jewelry that you adorn yourself with, but may it be by the good deeds that God leads you to do that you do on a regular basis. So, with that, you have your discussion questions. I have one question for each of those topics. You can take as long as you want. In a couple minutes, I'll just kind of give a few closing thoughts. But my question's for you, and everyone online, they're there. Paul tells us to pray for all people, especially those in a government. Do you find it hard to pray for a government? What would make it easier? That's your first discussion point. Number two, Paul says that men in church should be defined by prayer, not anger and controversy. What does it mean to be a man of prayer, and how can we make that shift in our lives? Paul writes that a woman's attractiveness should be defined by her good works and not what she wears. What do you think of that statement, and how is that lived out? I will turn it over to you. Discuss at your tables. I will float, and uh, yeah. All right, I'll share my closing thoughts. This is not a sign to stop the conversation. I just want to close with this so we can turn off the live stream. But please do not rush. If you're in a good conversation, continue it. These are important conversations to have. Um, but I want to close with this thought. Um, the title of the, mess of the series is You Are Meant for More. And lots of um, what we're talking about today is very countercultural. And I kind of alluded to that. And the reality is, is that our culture is not setting us up to succeed, it's setting us up to fail. Right? We, we, we talk about clothes, and we talk about being controversial, and we talk about we celebrate. Those things that society celebrates have also set up people to be put in very bad situations. And so God has a bigger, better plan for us. And so when he stands up and he says, I want you to hold this standard it's not to be a killjoy it's not to make you stand out it's not to be uh it's not to take away from life it's actually to set you up to live a better life because if, it, if i have to choose between society's standards for my life and god's standards for my life i'm choosing god's standards every time because god knows every one of my days before i lived one and at the end of the day, society doesn't care. It doesn't care how I turn out. It doesn't care whether or not I succeed. But God does. God cares about my success. God cares about my life. He cares about my kids. He cares about my reputation. He cares about that stuff. And so I'm going to choose God's opinion. I'm going to go with God's way. God has higher expectations. He calls us to, to live better. Because you are meant for something more. And our Heavenly Father's desire for you is that you would not let things like clothes and words and controversies and government hold you back. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? 
If God is with you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. If we're willing to put our faith and our trust in God Almighty, we are going to step into some great and amazing things, and nothing in all of creation can stand in our way. You are meant for more, and because you're meant for more, sometimes it means going against the flow.